1: The first round of France's presidential elections happened on Sunday, and more than a quarter of voters didn't vote. That's a lot better than we do here in the U.S., but it's the lowest French turnout in decades. The next and final election round, a head-to-head matchup between incumbent Emmanuel Macron and challenger Marine Le Pen, is coming up on April 24th. And polls suggest that a lot of people are just going to stay home again.
0: I'm not sure if that means that they don't care or that they're simply disgusted by the two options that they have.
1: Slate staff writer, Henry Grabar, is in Paris covering the election. He says the remaining two presidential candidates are leaving a lot of voters cold. President Macron seems like he's not even trying all that hard to win hearts and minds. He didn't begin his reelection campaign until just a month ago, and he's held exactly one rally. Henry
0: went to it. It was weird. It was really weird. It was in a massive arena uh, in the suburbs of Paris. And in fact, the vibe was really that of a concert. Indoor fireworks, right? Like sparklers shooting up sparks. There was a DJ with really loud music. amis. There was a brightly lit hexagonical stage at the center. Uh, I was quite far away. Uh, to me, Macron looked like a little speck Uh, marching around there. Um, But this was part of their strategy to make him look presidential. And so instead of having him roam around the equivalent of the Iowa State Fair, shaking hands with people, they had him on stage in front of 20,000 people uh, screaming, chanting his name, asking for five more years.
1: Meanwhile, challenger Marine Le Pen has taken a different approach. On the ground, day in, day out, more of what we call in the U.S.
0: retail politics. She's been campaigning for about six months. So if you're looking for a contrast there, uh, Le Pen has been all over the country. And to some extent, she's been working on this presidential campaign for the last five years.
1: Five years ago, Le Pen lost badly to Macron. Now she's back for a rematch. And this time, polls are pretty tight. There might be lots of voters who aren't thrilled with either candidate. But there are also lots of observers who think the outcome of this election could have dramatic effects for France, Europe, and maybe the rest of the world. For those who see this as an event with sky-high stakes, these last two weeks in the run-up to Election Day will be a nail-biting fortnight.
0: The mood is tense.
1: Today on the show, who are these two people France is choosing between? Where do they hope to lead the country? And why are some experts worried this election could destabilize the world order? I'm Seth Stevenson filling in for Mary Harris. You're listening to What Next? Stick around.
2: This episode is brought to you by Discover. When it comes to your finances, Discover wants you to know they are the credit card that is always there for you.
1: French elections are a two-round affair. In the first round, lots of candidates from all across the political spectrum duke it out and are winnowed down to two finalists. In the second round, those two finalists go head-to-head. This year, in that first round, President Emmanuel Macron got 28% of the vote. His far-right rival, Marine Le Pen, got 23%. And a far-left candidate named Jean-Luc Mélenchon came in just a percentage point behind Le Pen, barely missing the final round. A few years ago, it would have been unheard of for a pair of candidates like Le Pen and Mélenchon, who many consider extremists, to collectively win almost half the French vote. But Henry says it was the centrist Macron's first victory back in 2017 that opened the door for more radical
0: campaigns. Macron has taken up so much oxygen right at the center of the political spectrum that he has essentially demolished the traditional French two-party system, the center-left socialists and the center-right Republicans. Um, The socialists basically bit the dust in 2017 and took in under two percent of the vote this time uh in in Sunday's election. And the Republicans, the center right party, the party of uh Jacques Chirac and Nicolas Sarkozy, uh, they got under five percent this time. So when you have a centrist candidate like Macron who's able to uh to take in votes from really anybody who has any part of the center, it naturally opens up space and in fact only leaves space for candidates with extreme views on left and right, and that's what Francis ended up with. As
1: the incumbent, has Macron been able to run on the strength of things he was able to accomplish in his first term in office? Or are there elements of his record that he's had to hide from?
0: No, I think he's pretty proud of what he's gotten done in five years. One of the big points in his favor has been the handling of the coronavirus crisis, which people mostly approved of. They also think he's done well on the economy. The unemployment rate is at a 15-year low. Uh, And he's also for a long time, positioned himself as the pro-European candidate, as someone who wants uh, France to be a leader in Europe and Europe to be a leader in the world. And um, that's a position that really came in handy for him when the war in Ukraine broke out. um, And he looked smart and savvy and on top of things. Um, And that effect has somewhat faded. But I think that in the next two weeks, as he faces off against Le Pen, who uh, for a long time wanted to withdraw France from the European Union, Um, he's really going to lean into that, and and, and he's going to be proud of that. Um, The one thing, I mean, the thing that really went wrong for him during his mandate uh, were the Gilets Jaunes protests, the Yellow Vest protesters. Which, if you remember, in 2018, took over French cities for weeks and weeks at a time. There were these huge disruptive protests um, against Macron raising the fuel tax. And he's sort of wriggled out of that, um, but the anger is still there. And a lot of people perceive him as being a president of the rich. They perceive him as being aloof, and they perceive him as not caring about their problems. And that's where he's going to have to make inroads in the next two weeks.
1: Given the need to reshape those perceptions, I was somewhat amazed to learn that Macron has only been campaigning for about a month which seems really crazy if you're used to an American presidential election, which just seems to be a continuous thing with no beginning or end. Why did he start so late? Was there any
0: possibility that he just wasn't going to run or something? No, he was always going to run. I really think that his advisors and and probably him too, they really thought that the best way for him to campaign was to be the president of France. Uh, and that meant making calls with Vladimir Putin. It meant giving speeches on uh, primetime TV as president and emphasizing how presidential he was. He refused to debate the other candidates. So it wasn't just that he jumped in the game late. It was really an attitude of, I am somewhat above this whole thing. Um, They thought that was going to pay off for him. It seems like French voters really hated it.
1: Okay, let's turn to the challenger, Marine Le Pen. Marine Le Pen is part of a sort of dynastic far-right family in France. Can you tell me about the blend of personality and politics and family baggage that she's bringing to this campaign?
0: Right. So her father, Jean-Marie Le Pen, founded this party 50 years ago called the National Front. And her father, Jean-Marie Le Pen, had a number of very problematic uh, positions and ideas, including sympathy for Uh, Vichy France um, during the Second World War, uh, including sympathy for the misdeeds of French soldiers during colonial wars, basically a number of positions, including withdrawing from the European Union, that made him sort of anathema to the French political establishment. And the first and only time that Jean-Marie Le Pen made it into the uh, two-candidate presidential runoff in 2002 um, against uh, Jacques Chirac All French politicians across the political spectrum uh, bonded together and said, we will not let this guy be president. And uh, voters basically followed their lead. And Le Pen was roundly defeated. And they called that the Republican front. And when Macron faced off against Marine Le Pen, Jean-Marie's daughter, in 2017, uh, there was that same effort. Let's build the dam. Let's stop Le Pen from becoming president. And now for the third time, they are trying to muster this effort to keep her out of the presidency. And the question is whether they are still as shocked and appalled by the prospect of a Le Pen candidacy now that she's here for the third time, now that she has a greater share of the vote than ever before.
1: This is a rematch of the election five years ago, which means that Le Pen has had half a decade to figure out how to beat this guy she lost to last time. So what kind of changes has she made to recalibrate for this
0: election, uh, to, for this same rival? She's undertaken a campaign of what observers have called de-demonization, uh, trying to basically exercise uh, the bad vibes brought in this party uh, by her father who founded it. Um, so, for example, she kicked her father out of the party. Um, she also decided that leaving the European Union was no longer one of her official campaign platforms. Um, She is most famous for being extremely against immigration and extremely skeptical, if not bigoted, towards um, Muslims in France and towards Islam. So during this campaign, uh, she has really not talked about that very much at all. Um, To the extent she talks about um, assimilation and minorities in France, She talks about it in vaguer terms as a security crisis, as, you know, we need to get things under control, support for the police, that kind of thing. Uh, But mostly she's campaigned on left-wing spending power issues. I mean, her her main thing has been the cost of living because coming out of the coronavirus crisis, uh, obviously gas is really expensive. There's been a lot of uh, inflation in France, as there has been in the United States, and salaries haven't camped up. And so her big thing has been the cost of living. And to the extent that she has uh, a number of radical ideas that are pretty far from the French political mainstream, they have sort of been secondary to this focus on helping the French make ends meet.
1: What are some of the other big policy um, ideas that these... Two candidates are pushing what are the big clear contrasts in their
0: platforms? Maybe the biggest one is macron's commitment to Europe, right like macron is is really committed to both the European Union and to the alliance in support of Ukraine, the sanctions on Russia um, working to isolate Putin, all that stuff uh, le Pen until quite recently was very much a supporter of Vladimir Putin. In fact, there is still a photo of her shaking hands with him in some of the campaign literature that they haven't yet taken off the internet. And while she's no longer committed to leaving the European Union, she supports a number of policies involving French sovereignty, like immigration controls, Tariffs. She supports a number of policies that would effectively go against European treaties and prompt conflict between France and the EU. So that's a huge conflict between the two of them. That's a huge contrast.
1: Back in 2017, Macron won a decisive victory against Le Pen. He got about two thirds of the vote to her one third. Is the race a lot closer this time?
0: Yeah, the race shows Macron right now beating Le Pen by only a few points. So he's just a couple points above the margin of error. And the question is, why is it so much closer this time around? Two things have happened. Number one, uh, Macron has moved rightward during his five-year term. And there are a lot of voters on the left who, while previously they sort of held their nose and voted for him or for Chirac to stop a Le Pen from becoming president, this time They may not do that, and they may not do that, A, because they uh, sufficiently dislike Macron and they refuse to vote for him, or they may not do that because Le Pen has moved left. And this campaign of de-demonization, where she's tried to emphasize uh, bread and butter domestic issues... Um, and a distance herself from some of the controversial things that she said and supported in the past it's working and in fact on on some issues she's running to the left of macron so macron wants to raise the retirement age marine le pen does not macron wants to tighten up access to uh unemployment insurance marine le pen does not so there are cases when where some of these left wing voters um might actually wind up voting for le pen and uh, that's the big concern for macron right now in fact the headline of the left-wing French newspaper this morning shows Macron sort of running off camera. You see him from behind. And the headline is, honey, I forgot the left. And the sense is he's totally forgotten the left during these five years. His strategy has been to move right in an attempt to quash the far right. Uh, It hasn't worked, but it certainly has alienated left-wing voters. And in these last two weeks before the runoff, he desperately needs them in his camp.
1: When we come back, how a Le Pen victory might reshape France and the EU.
2: This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. And now get $250 when you join RAMP for free. Just go to RAMP.com slash easy. RAMP.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot slash easy. Currents issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC terms and conditions apply.
3: Hi, this is Dahlia Lithwick, host of Slate's legal podcast, Amicus. If you're listening to this show, you might be interested in Amicus's live show that we're hosting in Washington, D.C., but there's something you can do about it. And we hope you'll join us in D.C. on May 14th to explore the possible pathways out of the current situation. Go to slate.com slash amicus live for tickets.
1: As a typically myopic, self-absorbed American, I am, of course, contextualizing this election through the lens of American politics. And it seems like you've got this pretty clearly Trump-like figure in Le Pen, who's nationalistic, xenophobic, anti-NATO. You've got the neoliberal centrist in Macron, who's kind of a little bit Hillary, maybe a little bit Biden, someone who's certainly not on the far right, but also not particularly appetizing to the far left. And then you had this Bernie Sanders-like guy, Melenchon, and his voters, a lot like Bernie's voters, are maybe or maybe not willing to suck it up and vote for the centrist in order to save the country from the nationalist. Is that a fair analog of what's going on in the States, or should I not be trying to compare France and America because the dynamics are just too different?
0: No, that's that's been my read on it entirely. Um, and I think when I went to see the Macron rally and watched his polls sliding and sliding, even as he um, tried at the last minute to pretend like he'd been campaigning, I, of course, thought of the moment after the 2016 election when we realized that Hillary Clinton had never been to Wisconsin during the presidential campaign. And that was sort of the way the Macron people ran their campaign. They ran it like it was a sure thing and that he didn't need to go out there and do anything. Um, so I definitely feel that there there's an element of that comparison on the Macron side. There's an element of that comparison on the Le Pen side, where you have someone who combines a pretty radical attitude towards immigrants, uh, which is to say she's very anti-immigrant. She wants to enact uh, a policy of uh, banning the hijab in public in France.
3: Le Pen in a press conference said that she considers the headscarf as an Islamist item of clothing.
0: So there are some very xenophobic policies on Le Pen's side, but they're combined with a kind of left-wing populism, um, which reminds me, of course, of of the Trump campaign. And then on the far left, too, Mélenchon not only is very likable and popular with young people, as Bernie Sanders uh, is, but his voters are uh, tired of being ignored and they feel Macron has ignored them. And uh, now, as uh, both Macron and Le Pen are trying to get these left wing voters to vote for them, there's a sense that if Le Pen somehow pulls it off and wins, it will be thanks to voters on the French left, either because they didn't get in line behind Macron, or because they voted for Le Pen, or because they didn't vote at all. Um, and and that, of course, is an element that, that that followed the 2016 election, where voters on the left were blamed uh, for not being sufficiently supportive of Hillary Clinton. And I can feel that that's going to happen as well uh, if Macron blows it in two weeks.
1: If Le Pen wins which in one sense would be an upset since she lost to Macron last time, uh, but still seems quite plausible based on the polling at this point. If she wins, how big a deal would that be? How much would that change France's place within Europe or even change the world order?
0: Oh, it would be a huge deal. Le Pen no longer wants to withdraw France from the European Union, but she does want to put in place several policies around the free movement of people and goods that would be directly... uh, in contravention of some EU law. Um, She also wants to give French nationals priority um, for jobs and housing and benefits over foreigners, which again would would clash with some EU provisions. So um, either way, France would be heading for a showdown with the EU in, in a way we've seen uh, Poland and Hungary do in recent years. But of course, France is a much bigger part of the bloc than those countries. Then two, it would challenge certainly the unified front that uh, the European Union has put up against Russia during the war in Ukraine. Le Pen definitely will not uh, sign off on further sanctions on Russia and has made clear, very clear that she does not want French voters paying the price in the form of higher gas prices for stopping uh, Putin in Ukraine.
1: It seems like whichever candidate wins, the election has laid bare some pretty concerning trends within France, disillusionment, extremism, kind of a fragmentation of society. Are people there worried about that? Are they talking about how to step back from that cliff a little bit?
0: Yes, I think the first round results for Marine Le Pen and the other far-right candidate, Eric Zemmour, have alarmed people who have always assumed that the extreme right represented a fringe element in French society. Um, There are now more than 3,000 villages in France where the extreme right took a majority in the first round, um, and there'll be many more than that in the second round when there's just two candidates to choose from. So the question is, is France disintegrating into uh, two camps, uh, one supportive of the status quo and one uh, that very much wants to tear it all down? Or are some of these people supporting Marine Le Pen, mainly because she offers an alternative to Macron on economic issues and just an alternative, an alternative to Macron, period, rather than for her more extreme views about Europe, about immigration, about Islam, which again, have not really been front and center during this campaign.
1: Are you a gambling man, Henry? Do you care to place a wager?
0: I would bet on, I would bet on Macron if I had to bet, but Predicted has him at 80% or so right now. Um, and US voters will recall again, that a 20% chance of something happening does not mean that it will not happen. So you
1: wouldn't bet the Maison?
0: I would not bet the Maison on Macron. No, I wouldn't.
1: Henry Grobar thanks for coming on the show. Thanks for having me, Seth. Henry Grobar is a staff writer at Slate based in Paris. And that's the show. What Next is produced by Elena Schwartz, Mary Wilson, and Carmel Delshad. We've been getting help from Anna Rubinova and Laura Spencer. Our executive producer is Joanne Levine. We are led by Alicia Montgomery. I'm Seth Stevenson filling in for Mary Harris. Tomorrow, Lizzie O'Leary takes over the feed with What Next TBD. And I'll be back in the feed on Monday.
2: we